This has to be the absolute worst week for Democrats in a very, very long time. Everyone, including Bill Maher, is saying this is Trump's best week ever. And the Democrats literally can't stop panicking. I got to admit, I'm tired of doing this past week of videos where I keep talking about the panic they're going through, but they are. From Democrats confronting Nancy Pelosi in the House, actual congressmen yelling at her for tearing up the speech, voters announcing they're quitting the party, to people now likening Trump's firing of certain staff as the Friday night massacre, trying to make it seem like it's the Saturday night massacre of the Watergate scandal, but Trump is winning. And some of the comments being brought forward by people on the left, it's just nuts. They can't stop freaking out. And for good reason. The debate's a mess. The economy is great. Trump's approval rating is up. And we just heard from James Carville the other day saying that the party, he said, we are essentially out of our minds. They're complete disarray. Steve Bannon appeared on Bill Maher the other night, and they're now saying Bill Maher got trounced and torn to shreds. Bannon said, you had four years to figure this out and you didn't do it. So yeah, they keep panicking and I don't know what else to say because the comments I'm seeing in response to this latest story that Vindman was escorted out of the White House and fired and so is Sondland, it's nothing but panic. They say, Trump's coming for your family. He can go after anyone. It's the Friday night massacre. Calm down. It's not the end of the world. You started a fight you couldn't win. And this is what happens. This week is just getting worse and worse for the Democrats. And I can only imagine it's going to continue to get worse. To try and claim otherwise would be a lie. So let's get started and go through all of these things where the conservatives are winning. And I'm just going to say it this way. I think I think what we're seeing is the right, the Republicans, conservatives, whatever, absolutely dominating the culture war. It's not just about Donald Trump. It's about the economy. It's about cultural politics. It's about the comedians coming out and making offensive jokes. It's about the rise of conservative media and the collapse of left-wing digital media amid mass layoffs. I don't know how else to frame this, but this is at least what I'm seeing. I got all the sources to back this up. Let's get started, though, with Trump's moves against those who testified against them. The story from Huffington Post, Alexander Vindman's brother also booted from White House after Trump acquittal. You see, it wasn't just Vindman. It was also his twin brother. But before we get started, make sure you head over to TimCast.com slash donate. If you'd like to support my work, there are several different ways you can give. But the best thing you can do, share this video. I often try and say that breaking echo chambers is one of the best things we can do by sharing this video. I got to admit at this point, there are probably too many people who are so entrenched and refuse to accept this insane defeat and Trump's constant winning. They probably don't want to watch it. But I also would make a bet there are a lot of people that are completely disillusioned by the constant failures and defeat. Earlier today, I did a segment talking about the Democratic debates we saw last night, where they tried claiming once again that the economy is bad. Yet according to Gallup, only 10% of the population thinks of the United States thinks that the economy is the number one issue. Why? Because the economy is really, it's going great. And most people are experiencing this firsthand. Those people might start become, they might be now a bit disillusioned. Why do they keep telling you things are bad when things are better than ever? There was one story where Democratic voters in Boston said they recognize how great everything is going, but they're concerned about climate change. Well, unfortunately for Democrats, they're on the debate stage saying the economy, an issue that most people are actually good with and thank the president for. So perhaps these people need to hear a dose of reality. Everything the Democrats have tried, their battle in the culture war, it's all failing. Impeachment failed, emoluments failed, 25th Amendment, you name it. 
everything they've thought of this man, he has defeated them. And now he is launching a counteroffensive. Republicans have been investigating Hunter Biden. They are escalating these investigations. The Treasury Department is submitting documents. The Durham investigation is underway. Republicans, conservatives, the right are absolutely crushing it. And every day I look at the media, what I see? Democrats freaking out and it's getting worse. Here's the story. Huffington Post. Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman, the army officer who was fired from the National Security Council after testifying in President Donald Trump's impeachment trial, wasn't the only one escorted from the White House on Friday. His twin brother, his, uh, Army Lieutenant Colonel Yevgeny Vindman, was also escorted off White House grounds at the same time and apparently dismissed from his post at the National Security Council. They say Alexander Vindman was the Ukraine expert for the NSC, while Yevgeny Vindman was a senior lawyer and ethics official for the council. Both are decorated army officers. David Pressman, an attorney for, for Vindman, Alexander, said in a statement to Huffington Post that Yevgeny Vindman was escorted from the White House suddenly and with no explanation, despite over two decades of loyal service to this country. He is deeply disappointed that he will not be able to continue his service at the White House, Pressman added. Alexander Vindman testified about his knowledge of the president's July 2019 phone call with the Ukrainian president that triggered a whistleblower complaint and led to Trump's impeachment inquiry and proceedings. Well, we know from the actual impeachment inquiry testimony in the House Intelligence Committee that in all likelihood, at least according to Schiff's actions, Vindman was the one who spoke with the whistleblower who made the complaint in the first place. Now, I think it's a bit hyperbolic or it's an extreme exaggeration, in my opinion, to call Vindman a traitor or a spy or anything like that. He was simply a disgruntled employee. He was upset that Donald Trump wasn't taking his advice, but he wasn't the president nor the president's advisors as much as he actually tried claiming he was. He got upset that they wouldn't listen to his opinion. He complained and someone filed a complaint which sparked the impeachment. Naturally, Donald Trump viewed him as insubordinate and he's letting him go. But what do we so it's, that's, not, that's actually not the only story. I want to I want to cover this for uh, very quickly before I get to the, the freak out. Trump just in, just fired Gordon Sondland as the EU ambassador. This is part of Trump's post acquittal purge. Gordon Sondland should also be removed for one reason, not because he's a traitor or a spy or any of, any of these extreme opinions, but because he flip flopped and gave conflicting testimony. And what he was saying didn't actually have a, a basis in fact, but his own personal opinion. Why? Don't know. But that compromise is probably bad for security. And if, tr- if Trump can't trust his ambassadors, then it makes sense he needs to bring on someone he can, who he can trust. Does that mean Sondland did anything wrong? No, it just means the boss needs people he can trust. It doesn't mean it's retribution or revenge. It literally means Trump is the one who sets foreign policy. He's the one who was elected, whether you like him or not. And I am very critical of much of his foreign, foreign policy, but that's the way this country works. If you want to change it, change it. But don't act like these people are immune because they testified in an inquiry panel, not a criminal trial. But that's exactly what we're seeing now. This tweet from Joyce Aline, a U of Alabama law professor for MSNBC, apparently contributor. Vindman's brother was fired and walked out alongside him. Understand Trump can now come for anyone who gets in his way. He can retaliate against family. The people who wouldn't do the right thing for its own sake should know that that day can come for them too. It seems trivial to mention at this point, but retaliation against a witness is a federal crime. There was no criminal trial. There was an impeachment trial, but the Democrats did not accuse Trump of any actual statutory crime. So I think it's a bit of a stretch to say he's retaliating against witnesses 
And look, I, I question Trump's judgment on a lot of things. There's a lot of things going good with the country right now. But let's be real. These, his brother, should he have been fired? That's a tough question. But I think there's a serious issue of insubordination and disgruntled employees or, or people serving at the pleasure of the president, whatever you want to call them. If Trump can't trust you in his administration, don't be surprised if he asks you to leave. Now, they weren't technically fired. Some people are saying they were. They're being reassigned. That's my understanding. But all of these people freaking out, it's getting a bit crazy. Friday night massacre. Experts say Trump firing of three officials, including Sondland and Vindman, is a criminal offense. Trump is the president. If you are working in the administration, he chooses if you can work there. It's not criminal for a president to say, I don't trust you. I don't think you'll do a good job. It's time to go. What's the argument now? That anyone who ever complains about the president is immune from being fired? That's completely insane. Several other presidents have purged tons of appointees and employees. They get in and they say, all these people brought in by the other guy, they got to go. That's a part of the political process. That when the American people vote for someone new, that person is going to set policy. And that means dramatic change. It's actually a good thing to remove people who you think might be in too long. Otherwise, you'll get an actual deep state. One of the biggest concerns we should have are permanent appointees who exist in these positions of high power in government without being elected. So if Trump is going to make some moves and fire some people or, or reassign them, I don't see it as a big deal. I think people are freaking out. They can't stop panicking. Seriously, Friday Night Massacre, you all need to calm down. But I get it, man. I got a lot more. Donald Trump and the Republicans are just sweeping the victories in. Trump said you, you, you get tired of winning. I got I to gotta be honest. I am actually tired of Trump's winning. And I mean that not as a joke, because the past several videos I've done have been about Democrats quitting, Democrats panicking, Democrat you know, party collapsing. Panic, panic, panic. I don't know how many videos I've made talking about their panic, but I I kid you not. It's, you know, uh, people in Congress saying, what are they doing? Why are they getting these papers on Hunter Biden? Oh, no, they're investigating us. It's people saying, oh, geez, Trump is retaliating against families. It just doesn't stop. So I was I was sitting here trying to figure out, is there a different story I can do? But if I want to talk about what's happening in 2020 and mainstream politics, this is what's happening. This is the big news. Vindman was trending number one last night. And the response from Democrats was sheer panic over the fact that Trump fired a guy. Look at this. President Donald Trump late Friday afternoon and evening ended the week by firing three administration and White House officials. He blames for his impeachment in a campaign of retribution that some experts are calling illegal. If the president can't fire people, then how, what's the point of an election? Do we just have permanent appointees? You, you put a guy in the office. He says, these 10 guys are now working here and you can never get rid of them. Well, what's the point of the election? That's the point. Trump needs to get rid of people he doesn't like. They, they go on to mention, we, we already know, that Vindman, his brother, and Sondland. Here's where it gets funny. The hashtag Friday Night Massacre is trending on Twitter right now. I'm sorry, man. I, I, I'm looking at my YouTube and I'm seeing all these videos about Democrats panicking. But if you, if you want to argue that I'm wrong to say so, by all means, I'm willing to hear it, but I couldn't figure it out. What else is it when they're trying to claim this is a Friday night massacre? That's you, you lost. Trump got acquitted. It's not the end of the world. Calm down. No, they're freaking out. Ellie Honig, CNN analyst and former federal prosecutor Ellie Honig, said Trump's actions are criminal. Oh, we, we've heard this before. Every single time they accuse Trump of a crime. OK, why didn't you actually accuse him of a crime in the impeachment trial? 
They didn't. Abuse of power, obstruction of Congress, political charges. I'm sounding this bell now. It is disgraceful and criminal to demote fire witnesses, as we are seeing with Vindman, his brother Sondland. So what? They testify another immune forever and Trump can never get rid of them? That makes no sense. I'm sorry. But this could get even worse, including bogus criminal charges against perceived Trump enemies in FBI and elsewhere. Watch for this. They are in such a free fall panic. It is insane. Check this out. David Rothkoff, he's a CEO of the Rothkoff Group, says Friday night massacre. Don't lose sight of the fact that this wave of retribution is a crime. Oh, geez. I'm already smelling second impeachment like the meme. Well, we've had first impeachment. What about second impeachment? Maybe y'all should just stop. It's not working. You're, you're crazed. You know what it is? I think I figured it out. Every single time I talk about them panicking because of some fringe insanity, it shows they're not thinking rationally. They're not planning ahead. They don't know their enemy and they're entering a battle they've already lost before it started to, to, to slightly reference Sun Tzu. They need to stop. They need to stop pretending the economy is bad. But all they have, because what Americans are looking for is being taken care of, is screeching about Trump's crimes. Okay, you know what? The election is coming up and they know they can't win because we heard it. I think it was Al Green who said, if we don't impeachment, impeach him, he might get reelected. Oh, oh no. Oh no. People, people are going to reelect the guy. Why can't you form a cohesive party? Why are the Democrats fractured down the middle? With, 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 according to the Daily Beast, Steve Bannon trouncing Bill Maher when Bannon said you had four years to learn. Here's another one. MSNBC political analyst. Friday night massacre. It's a reference to Nixon. But this was Nixon's downward spiral before his resignation, not his victory lap. So did resistance organizer, indivisible co, co-founder and co-executive director Ezra Levin. He says, you know, thanks for the Friday Night Massacre, the Friday Night Massacre, CNN, the Friday Night Massacre continues. Oh, man. Well, I'll tell you what. Romney faces party scorn, isolation after impeachment vote. He is ostracized. I'll throw a little criticism this way. I think Romney was wrong, but I do think the Trump supporters better be careful because people keep calling y'all a cult. And if you demand everyone step in line or else, I think it's hard to actually argue against in certain circumstances. Look, Romney made, in my opinion, the wrong decision, but it was kind of irrelevant. Fine. Okay. We saw Democrat defectors. On, uh, you know, Jeff Van Dre actually quit the Democratic Party. My advice would be don't be like them. Don't, don't treat Romney like a pariah or ostracize him. Criticize him and move on. I know it's not perfect. A lot of people are angry, but I'll tell you what. One of the worst things Democrats did was tell Jeff Van Drew, you're either with us or against us. And then he said, bye bye. And Donald Trump scooped him right up with a handshake and an endorsement. And he rallied in his district. That was power for the Trump supporters. Be careful where you tread, because if you sling mud back in the other direction, people might actually doubt your integrity. Again, I think Romney was wrong on this one. I think the impeachment was was hyperpartisan nonsense. Romney did it. Don't know why, but he's in he's a, he's a senator for a while. My, so my, my bet would be he knows that by the time he's actually up for reelection, People will have moved beyond this. So we'll see what happens. But again, I'll stress, you look at what happened with Jeff Van Drew, don't make the same mistake. But now Trump is moving for expungement. I know I've talked about this quite a bit, but it it, it bears repeating because we're talking about the never ending victories of Donald Trump. Political hoax. Trump called for his impeachment to be expunged. He's going to win. What you threw failed. 
He's going to get reelected. And when he does, and when the, and the Republicans win the House because you're in incessant nagging about the orange man, it's driving people, you know, it's making them angry. They're going to expunge this. And Donald Trump is going to, uh, he's going to have that victory under his belt. He just keeps winning. Now I want to do this. I want to go through several different stories I have that are more about the victories of the right. And in the culture war, it's beyond just the Democratic Party. Now they keep freaking out. They keep panicking. But there's a lot more going on here. This is a story we saw from uh, the other day, or I'm sorry, it's, it's actually from, I think, today. Steve Bannon outduels and embarrasses Bill Maher on real time. Even the Daily Beast, the left-wing media outlet, is giving Steve Bannon the victory. That, to me, was nuts. Bill Maher is not afraid to bring on controversial figures and have great conversations. I have tremendous respect for him for doing this. And he looked defeated. And he said when, when they were arguing, it's Trump's best week ever. And boy, did he look upset. But Bannon kept trying to get to him saying, listen, he likes Bernie. Bannon, Bannon said he liked Bernie. He thinks Bernie's identified the real problem, but has the wrong solutions. And he said, look at what the establishment is doing to Bernie. They don't want to listen. They don't. They, they, they ignore what Bannon says. They ignore his warnings. And I'll tell you this. I don't know a whole lot about Bannon. Never been a big fan because I don't really pay attention to him or what he does. But I feel similarly that when I say, calm down, stop freaking out, try and come up with a cohesive strategy, they don't listen. When I make videos pointing out that these people are freaking out, calling it a massacre, as if, as if it's Watergate, all, it's not. It's a problem you created and you lost and you keep losing. They get mad. They accuse me of being partisan. Look, man, I'm fairly ambivalent. I wouldn't vote for Trump, but that's the problem. They demand you be a partisan. It's entirely possible moving forward that, you know, Republicans lose when their time comes. And you'll hear me saying similar things to them being sore lose. But for the time being, this is how the game is being played. So let me just stress, when I was covering Occupy Wall Street, they loved what I had to say. When I started talking about their failures and defeats, I mean, that was the Obama administration. When I started talking about their failures and defeats, they started getting angry about it. You had your victories. Now you have your defeats. It's a weird, weird world that simply for pointing out the economy is doing really, really well. Journalists won't talk about it. That makes me right wing as if my opinions are right wing. That to me is nuts. I covered this earlier, but it, but it needs to be shown in this context. John Lettieri said, maybe in light of yet another strong jobs report, reporters will push leading presidential candidates who claim the economy is fundamentally broken to produce some stronger evidence. That's what I mentioned earlier. Only 10% of Americans believe economic issues are the most important. So every time you hear a Democrat say wealth inequality, they say the economy isn't working for you. It's broken. It's only working for the 1%. I mean, they're just lying. I guess they have nothing left. That's literally it. Well, here's the more bad news. The rest of this is going to be about how conservatives are just sweeping up the field. You know, in my opinion, they've won already. Maybe, maybe Trump will be defeated. I don't know. But I'll tell you this from the Wall Street Journal. Iowa Democratic turnout prompts concerns about voter enthusiasm. Some in the party wonder if state has become more conservative as turnout falls short of the 2008 record. Maybe it's preemptive, but this is a bad indication for the Democrats about what's coming next. They were supposed to rally record enthusiasm to compete with Donald Trump to defeat him. I thought this country was upset and hated the man. I thought his approval rating was below 50%. I thought all of these things, and I thought maybe, maybe I'm in a bubble. And most of America really, really hates Trump. And they're going to come out in droves and sweep the field. 
then Iowa happened and there was no record turnout. There, there was the first time caucus goers were actually down. This projects something very dire for Democrats going forward. I think with a strong economy, good national security and Trump, you know, trying to lower drug prices and, and trying to do some things in terms of at least selling some of his, his health care plans, not perfectly, mind you. He's made comments about Medicare that people, James Carville was freaking out about. But Trump has tackled core issues that matter the most. And I think as much as you might go on Twitter and hear that the orange man is bad and it's a Friday night massacre, the reality is the average American doesn't really care because they got, they got cash in their pockets and they're having a good time. That means they're not going to come out to caucus. In fact, some people couldn't even stay the hour. This was the craziest thing to me. Not only was voter turnout bad in Iowa, some people who showed up left early because they couldn't, they couldn't be, they couldn't give the hour. I'll just leave it there. I was going to swear, but I'll stop. No, they couldn't even give an hour to represent the person they wanted to win. They couldn't do it. That's how little they actually cared. And then they went home. That means come election time with these projections is going to get real bad. Here's another little bit. Maybe, maybe I'll wrap this up soon. From Gallup last month, the U.S. remained center-right ideologically. I think it's fair to say that the conservatives and the right are dominating the culture war right now. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. But I think it's that, you know, there's, there, there is no real Democratic Party. They've, they've fractured their split. You, you, you say the word Democrat, and who are you even describing? A Bernie Sanders socialist or a Joe Biden, you know, corporate centrist or whatever you call him? I don't know. I have no idea. And so I've had people tell it to me when I say Democrats panic. Who are you referring to? Typically, I'm referring to establishment crony types, including the politicians and people in media, people like CNN, who totally smear Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump. The establishment elites is typically who I'm referring to. So I don't think I think AOC, you know, uh, Ocasio-Cortez, when she said Joe Biden and I wouldn't be in the same party, she made it clear she's not a Democrat. In fact, Bernie Sanders isn't even a Democrat. He's an independent. He's not even registered. That's my understanding. Let me wrap it up with one last bit. It's only going to get better for conservatives. It's only going to get better. August 26, 2019, Axios. Conservative media thrives, grows broader under Trump. That's right. Daily Wire being one of the biggest media outlets on Facebook. And they tried accusing Ben Shapiro of some stupid conspiracy that he was using fake pages and he was manipulating. No, get out of here. I'm not going to listen to it. That's just nuts. And now we have this. 7,800 people have lost their jobs so far this year in a media landslide. That's right. Left-wing outlets, Huffington Post, Vice, BuzzFeed, etc. Well, they're, they're losing staff. Conservative media is growing. It's on the rise. It's doing better and better and better. Left-wing media is failing. Trump is winning. He won. He, he, I, the last thing the other day was not only did he just get acquitted, but he won the emoluments lawsuit three nothing. All judges, all the judges sided with him. Twenty percent. This is my understanding. Twenty percent of federal judges were appointed by Trump. He is sweeping up the field. Conservatives are getting everything they want. And now, I'll, I'll, actually, I'll do this. Here's the very last bit. They're trying to get Donald Trump's tweet about Nancy Pelosi deleted. Blue check marks. I'll tell you what. This should be the nice little bow tie on the end. Panic mode, 100%. Demanding Twitter and Facebook delete a video that just shows Nancy Pelosi tearing up the speech. They claim because emphasis was added to show the various things Trump was saying, that means it's manipulated video. Well, I'm sorry, but Facebook and Twitter are siding with the president. 
It was Nancy Pelosi's fault. She tore that up. And of course, the only thing they can do is freak out and fail. A variety of blue checkmark Twitter users saying it's edited. It must be removed. It's edited. But then we get this. The communications, uh, presumably someone working on communications for Facebook, in response to someone calling the video deliberately designed to mislead and lie to the American people, Facebook employee said, sorry, are you suggesting the president didn't make those remarks and the speaker didn't rip the speech? Well, yeah, he then linked to the manipulated uh, enforcing against manipulated media, which specifically state which he highlights saying the video is real. All Trump did was show what he was saying. Here's here's the airman. Here's the serviceman. And it showed Pelosi ripping the speech up. In the end, we now have Mark Zuckerberg claiming to side with free expression. Does that mean the big Trump supporters are going to get their channels back and be reinstated? No, but it certainly means Zuckerberg is taking the side of free speech in the culture war. So it's not just Trump's victory. It's not just democratic panic. It's the economic victories. It's the shift slightly towards conservatism across the country, according to Gallup. It's the Democrats' constant panic and demands that are falling on deaf ears. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. YouTube.com slash TimCastNews. It is a different channel, and I will see you all then. Another Democratic debate, another unmitigated debate disaster. They can't seem to figure out what's going on in this country, and they haven't learned anything from 2016. So once again, they lie about the economy. They go nuts about race issues, and the rest of America just does not care. Now, the article I have pulled up is from the Babylon Bee a satirical website with an article titled Trump wins another Democratic debate. Now, it's supposed to be a joke. It's not a joke. Trump doesn't even have to say a single word to win the debate because the Democrats are so insanely wrong. It is mind boggling. And I'm going to show you. First, we have this rather strange moment. Jessica Fletcher tweets broke Joe forgetting what state he's he's in in the camp. He's in on the campaign trail. Woke. Joe forgetting what he's doing on the debate stage. In this first clip, which is just more for fun, Joe Biden's turned around facing the wrong direction on the debate stage. And a lot of people are saying like he doesn't know what he's doing. Well, I don't know what he was doing, but I think he was fixing his teeth. Okay. I'm not trying to be mean, but he turns around to like, you know, fiddle with something. And as you may have seen in many of these debates, Joe's teeth often slip. I'm not trying to be mean, but it happens. So now you have him turning around mid-debate doing whatever. I have no idea. But this is just a silly aside. I'd like to show you this tweet from John Lettieri. He's the co-founder of Innovate Economy. And he tweets, maybe in light of yet another strong jobs report, reporters will push leading presidential candidates who claim the economy is fundamentally broken to produce some stronger evidence. I present to you an image from Gallup. My oh my, what's this? Americans' mentions of economic issues as most important problem facing the U.S. from oh, from 2001 to 2020. Hey, you can see during the peak of the financial crisis, 86% said the economy today, 10%. That's who they're campaigning to. 10% of the country. How insane. So I follow up with this. Democrats are insane. They keep claiming the economy was bad, and even Vox said it was wrong. Vox.com, the left-wing site, says the economy is good. You have to accept it. There are a lot of problems still. Okay, doesn't mean there's not issues. But the economy, for most people, they're seeing wages increase. Unemployment is down. It is doing well. 
Vox writes, and this is from one of the co-founders, the only choice the Democrats have is to lie about it because they can't, they can't do anything. The economy is doing well and they're, and they're trying so hard to make that their issue, that or like racial issues, because they don't listen to America. It's probably why Donald Trump's approval rating among uh, the black community is as high as it is, at least according to three different polls. By all means, call those polls wrong because all of Iowa was wrong. We have no idea what's going on. I said the only option they have is to lie and tell people it's not good. But how do you lie to someone experiencing a good economy firsthand? I've been talking to locals. That's just me. I live in the Philadelphia areas. I'm in the suburbs. So maybe it's just it's, it's just anecdotal. It's not data. But how am I supposed to go to one of these guys when they're like, last year was my best year ever? You're wrong, actually. It wasn't the best year ever. You're actually struggling in this economy. At least that's what the Democrats are campaigning on. You must fall in that 10% of people who, oh, I'm sorry, what's that? You had the best year ever. You're in the 90% of the country that doesn't think the economy is the most pressing issue because the economy is doing well. Don't let it stop you, Tom Steyer, who says, it's the economy, stupid, reminds Tom Steyer at Democratic debate. What are they doing? They are getting up. Imagine this. Imagine you live in a beautiful home and you own the home. And one of these people come to your house and say, you need renter's insurance. And you're like, but I own my home. I have homeowner's insurance. Nope, you're wrong. Let me tell you what's going on in your life. And you're like, everything's actually great. This actually reminds me of Family Guy. When the guy shows up to Peter's house to sell him volcano insurance and Peter's like, I better buy it. Yeah, sure. Some people are going to fall for this. But what about most people who are like, there's no volcano near my house. I know because I looked outside. You have people on the debate stage trying to convince you to support them, but they're telling you about a boogeyman no one believes in. What is what, what is wrong with these candidates? Why can't they? You know what? You know what it is? I got, I'm sorry. I think the sad reality is what do Americans really care about at this point that Trump hasn't taken care of? No, I mean that honestly. The economy, immigration, national security, those are some of the biggest issues. Trump's taken care of all of it. Perhaps. Perhaps they could, uh, well, at least Andrew Yang's talking about something. He's talking about, you know, uh, automation. I guess when you have no choice, but you really hate Trump that much, you just make it up. It's all you can do, right? Check this out. Uh, this is M Live reporting. Billionaire activist Tom Steyer couldn't sit through a discussion on health care during the February Democratic debate, saying he's tired of hearing the same arguments over and over again. Steyer interjected, saying Democrats should instead be focused on the economy and countering President Donald Trump's claims of the best economy in American history. I love it. Healthcare is probably one of the best bets the Democrats actually have because healthcare will never be good enough. Even if we create new cures for new diseases and advance things and lower the cost of drugs or whatever, you still have an endless you know, sea of ailments that affect humanity. So there will always be a demand for better services. Uh-oh. Donald Trump is pushing a bipartisan bill to lower drug prices. They can't even stay on message as it pertains to health care. Tom Steyer has to butt in. And you know what, man? I feel like Tom Steyer is just here to help Trump. He shut down one of the only debates that could actually help the Democrats because it's the economy, stupid. Let me stop you right there, Tom. First, I'll say thank you for dumping, what, like $200 million into advertisements, driving up ad rates and making all of the political commentary YouTube space see better returns. I'm only half kidding, by the way. That's true. You know that, right? The more money he dumps in, so you see those dumb ads from him on my videos. I don't control that. 
Like YouTube automates that. But that goes to ad revenue for my channel. Anyway, the economy is great. It's great because of people like him and Bloomberg. I'm being, I'm being serious. What I mean is when it comes to meet the media landscape, ad rates are going up in the double digits because it's auction based. So look, if you're going to dump all this money, Bloomberg's going to dump $2 billion. Hey man, the media landscape's loving Donald Trump. But I'm being somewhat facetious, right? The reality is Donald Trump has uh, instituted a bunch of new policy changes, reforms, trade deals, tariffs, and now the economy is doing really, really well. I mean, as soon as Trump got elected on this America first policy, we saw a massive jump in the markets because people felt like it was a safe bet to invest in America again. But let me just go back to this, Mr. Steyer. How are you going to tell, how are you going to shut down a debate on healthcare? What, what, What are you doing? Did any of these people ever Google anything? No. And that's why we're looking at the B team. But I will, I will say it again. Shout out to Andrew Yang, because at least he said we have to stop pretending like Donald Trump's ca- the cause of all our problems. He also talks about how look to the future. We can stem a lot of these problems, but automation is a serious issue. He's right. I went to uh, Walmart, I think last week. They didn't have one cashier. I'm not kidding. Not one. Not, they've replaced the cashiers with automatic like, so, so they have the self-checkout, which you're probably familiar with, where you walk up and there's a little kiosk and you scan things. But now they have conveyor belts where you do everything yourself. Like it used to be at the conveyor belt, you load it up and there was a cashier there who would scan it for you. Nope. Now you scan it. They've just gotten rid of that. And they're like, you know what? Honor system, you ring yourself up. They replace it with like two security guards at each door who check your receipts. So they're getting rid of these jobs. But are they all going to talk about it? No. Poor Andrew Yang. <laughs> I feel for you, brother but they're not going to listen. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna go up there and they're complain about the orange man and they're going to ignore the data that is screaming in their faces. Look at this. This is, a, this is incredible. Even under Trump, it started around 40% of people thinking that the economy was the biggest issue. And in the past three and a half years or so, it's dropped down to 10%. It doesn't matter if you think the economy is actually doing bad and Trump is lying. That's what Tom Steyer is trying to claim. Look at this. Push back, counter Donald Trump's claims of the best economy. This is what's so crazy to me. Donald Trump, it doesn't matter what he says about the economy because the average person doesn't care about the economy right now. Like I'm talking about 90% of people do not think it's the most pressing issue. Why? It's probably going well for them. How are we going to beat Donald Trump? It's the economy, stupid, Steyer said, citing a famous quote from President Bill Clinton. This, This is what, you know what, man? Steve Bannon was on with Bill Maher the other night and they would, they just don't want to listen. And Bill Maher calls him evil. And I'm like, the, you know, look, Steve Bannon comes out and he looks you in the eye, Bill. And he says, here's what you need to do to win. And Bill just says, harumph, I say, no, I refuse. It's evil. You're lying. You're wrong. Okay, man. Look, sure. You want to call Steve Bannon evil. You want to say all those things about him. Fine. But he's telling you how to win. And he said, you've had four years to figure this out. And instead, you are all divided. Yep. Steyer also expressed concern that Trump could sail to re-election after being acquitted of impeachment charges this week. I don't think there's any question, George, that after this week, there's a real threat to Donald Trump, a real threat that Donald Trump can get re-elected, Steyer said to moderators. Donald Trump's best week ever. Bill Maher said it, and he looked sad. He said, I've said it, that's his best weekend ever. That's what he, said. he said weekend, I believe. It's one of the best weeks Trump's ever faced. He won the emoluments lawsuit. He's been uh, acquitted of impeachment. His approval rating in Gallup 
beats Obama by four points, highest it's ever been. The economy is soaring. Trump is winning. He just fired Vindman. He just recalled Sondland. Trump is just tearing up the field. When Trump said you're going to be tired of winning, you thought he was joking. But man, oh man, the guy keeps winning. And the frustration is they have every opportunity to do the right thing, like to do, I mean, like to do the correct, make the correct move to solve their problems and actually win. They won't do it. They're just absolutely fractured in a million different ways. They're spinning around in in ridiculous directions with no unity, no plan, no strategy. And for some reason, they just seem to think either, you know what? I'm not going to say they're lying. I'm I'm, going to walk that back. I was going to say they're lying about the economy. No, I think they're just stupid. It's not the economy stupid. Let's flip that around. The issue right now that you need to campaign us probably health care. But oh, oh, go ahead. Interrupt that. Washington Examiner reports 2020 Democrats are biggest losers from Trump economic boom. The Bureau of Labor Statistics on Friday added another pile of good news to the mountain of data showing that the contemporary economy is the strongest in generations. Not only did employers create a staggering net $225,000 uh, uh, Two hundred twenty-five thousand jobs last month, crushing expectations. But the labor force participation rate has reached its highest point since the recovery began after the Great Recession. The biggest losers of all the good economic news are the Democrats vying to unseat President Trump. Oh, they'll tell you all the worst things in the world, and it's it's amazing to me actually. Let me tell you something. A couple days ago, you know, uh, just the beginning of last week, Donald Trump got up at the in the House. In, uh, in front of the podium, and he whispered sweet, sweet nothings into all of our ears about a, a roaring economy, about victory after victory for the Republicans and for America. Half the time, Democrats were sitting down. A few times they actually stood up, but it was kind of mixed sometimes. But there was some bipartisan support for things president was, the president was saying. Trump tells you all of these really great things and says, America is doing great, but we haven't even yet begun. Think about how great it will be after his reelection. The Democrats get on the debate stage and they say life is miserable. Everything is awful. Trump is evil. The economy is bad. What do you think people would like to drift to? This is exactly what I've been talking about, about uh, in, in terms of one of the big factors why Democrats lose. I imagine many Americans are standing in the middle of a road and they're looking for somewhere to hang out, maybe grab some food. To their left is a restaurant full of people bickering and yelling and complaining about how awful the world really is. Everything is bad. To the right, it's a big old party with people handing out beers. And you look to your right and you see a guy wave and he holds a beer up and he fans you over and you look to the left and they're pointing the finger. They're insulting you, calling the other side evil. And you're, where where do you want to hang out? Do you want to hang out with the people who are complaining about everything, who hate each other, who are fighting each other, who are accusing each other of cheating? Or do you want to go to the party where everyone's got red caps on and they're having a drink and they're laughing about how great everything is? You know, I'll tell you what, man, it may be that Trump lied all about everything he said. Doesn't matter. That's a sales pitch. Yeah, you can call him out for lying. Did they do that? No, they tried claiming the economy, which is in the face of every American, which they, they're, they're happy with, is bad. They think they're going to win on that. You got the data here from the Washington Examiner. Let's, let's read a little bit more. Naysayers will point to the unemployment rate ticking up by 0.1 percentage points from its half century low. But the Bureau of Labor Statistics report confirms what Trump argued at this year's State of the Union. The economy is pulling the disaffected from the sidelines, creating more jobs with higher wages for all works, but disproportionately for those who need it the most. Economists have been debating whether such sustained job growth was even possible given our current low rate of unemployment. 
Yeah, at a certain point, you run out of people to work. Well, apparently this is the magic wand Obama said didn't exist, and, and somehow Trump must have found it. What Trump described as a blue-collar boom is making it difficult for Democrats to run their campaigns on economic anxiety or to justify their massive spending proposals. You know what's, you know what's funny? At the debate the other day, the moderators asked, how many of you are concerned about having a socialist at the top of the Democratic ticket? And nobody raises their hand. And then meekly, you know, uh, Klobuchar like raises it a little bit and then pulls it down and raises it back up and giggles. You know what, man? I'll make it easy for you. How many of you are worried about having a Democratic socialist on the top of the Democratic ticket? Let me just give a strong hand raise right there because Gallup polls show us Americans will not vote for a socialist. I do not believe Bernie Sanders can win. And I still see my friends pushing this. Look, let me back up. Back in 2016, Bernie was the social Democrat. He was accused of being socialist, but people were pushing back. Since then, Bernie Sanders has made some serious socialist proposals, notably public uh, workers' ownership of corporate stocks. A certain percentage will be owned by the workers. You're getting close to socialism. Now he's an overt embracing democratic socialism. I think it's funny when he accuses, you know, Denmark of being socialist and they're not. They're a market economy with a welfare state. But now, so, so uh, someone I know posted an article. It said, Bernie is not a democratic socialist. He's a social democrat. I clicked it. It's from two years ago. Newsweek published a story a couple days ago. Bernie is a democratic socialist, not a communist. Here's the difference. You see, Bernie's policies have changed dramatically. He's openly embracing this, these fringe open border type policies that he rejected in 2015. I don't trust the guy. I think he's pandering. For some reason, Trump never backed down. Trump's saying a lot of the exact same stuff. Call him a liar, call him whatever you want. But when you look at someone like Trump, who just blurts things out no one ever expected to hear, like when he goes, yeah, we're going to send a bunch of weapons to Saudi Arabia. They pay great. All of the anti-war left had a, like a collective gasp, like he just said it. He's not supposed to do that. He did. So Trump says, here's what I'm going to do. Here's why I'm going to do it. The economy is great. Immigration is down. National security, people are very confident in. He's now advocating for reducing the cost of drug prices. And I see the commercials. Trump is seeking bipartisan support for this. What do you think is going to happen? Do you think, any, you think a socialist, a 78-year-old socialist who just had a heart attack is going to beat Donald Trump in this economy? Look, man, there are a lot of people who want the revolution. They think Bernie Sanders is the, is the savior for a problem that doesn't exist. Look, I like Bernie. I saw him as a really honest guy in 2016. And since then, I have just felt like he's pandering. Maybe it's around the same time he started making a bunch of money. The establishment made him promises. I don't know. He took all that great, glorious money and turned around and endorsed Hillary Clinton. Trump, nah, Trump is just would never do that. I wouldn't, I couldn't imagine. He's too, he's too full of himself for better or for worse. So what is Bernie really offering? What problem are we facing that we need someone else to fix? I honestly don't know. Maybe it's because you want a leader who's got military experience. For me, that's a big issue. I'd like a commander in chief with real military experience. But I don't see how I'm supposed to make an argument to the American people about this invisible crisis of a bad economy that no one is experiencing or the fringe identitarian left wing nonsense about privilege or whatnot, or the things that Elizabeth Warren is doing where Bill Maher said, why is she campaigning to 400 people? Is that the vote you're really after with these fringe intersectional policies or, or, or statements? The Democrats have no problem to solve. Trump has solved the core issues that Americans were concerned about. It was national security, immigration, 
and the economy. But healthcare is still a big issue. And Trump is tackling those. What are you going to say? What are you going to do? Well, the Democrats go on stage and they have nothing to say. They have nothing. And you know what? If, as, as long as they refuse to actually talk about, well, you know, no, maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe I just said it. There's really nothing they can say. What are they going to do? Go up on stage and say, you know, the economy is really great. Um, you do a little better. I think I can make it a little better. Don't trust the guy who made it great. Vote for me. I get it. They have no choice. The only thing they can do is lie. And that was coming from Matthew Iglesias of Vox.com. The economy is so good. Americans can better afford health care. We're seeing fast food restaurants do four day work weeks, 32 hour weeks or less. We're seeing places offer paid family leave now, uh, uh, you know, paid, paid general leave, like all of these things. The progressive said they would get by, you know, government policy are being enacted due to a good economy, proving Trump right. So if you go to someone and say, we want paid leave for you, they say, oh, my company already offered that because the economy is so good. Okay, well, we want to increase your wages. Actually, I just got a raise. We want to bolster the economy. Uh, Didn't you just hear me? I'm working. I'm working less, getting paid more. I'm getting more benefits. Everything's going well. I don't know what the Democrats could actually offer up on the debate stage. I really, really don't. Meanwhile, in Congress, the only option they have is to screech about how Orange Man is bad and try to impeach him for things that are just ridiculous. They couldn't prove. And now Trump's been acquitted. And all that happened, let me wrap this up. Maybe I'll say this for for another segment. Do you know the only thing Democrats accomplished with impeachment? Well, they helped Trump. He he was fundraising off it, raising record uh, record donations off the threat. His approval rating is skyrocketing. And in the end, they have signaled to Trump, they've put markers on all of these people who are disruptive, to say the least. People who are complaining and whiny and didn't want to do their jobs. People who are insulting him and disrupting his foreign policy. They, they said, here are the people who w- won't do what you want. You're the boss, right? Trump's, Trump's elected to be the boss. The impeachment said, we're going to bring out all these people to complain about the president to show who's being insubordinate. Putting little markers on each person so Trump can say, okay, now that that's over, fired, 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 fired. You serve at the pleasure of the president, for better or for worse. As far as I'm concerned, Trump could be the stupidest person on the planet, but if he was elected, so be it. We have two other branches of government. That's where we will function. That's where we'll focus on change. But the Democrats are so obsessed with Trump being bad that they can't even make Congress work properly. They had every advantage with the House of Democrats for the past two years to actually implement some kind of programs to help. They couldn't. They were too obsessed. Nancy Pelosi shredding Trump's speech was the symbol of her defeat. She knew she had lost. She had nothing left, nothing to say, nothing to offer. So she just tore it up and stormed out. And even Democrats confronted her in Congress. Even Democratic voters calling and saying, I will not vote Democrat again. She's handing Trump everything. These people are insane. I'm going to leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. It seems the nightmare apocalypse is upon us because China has just started mass arresting people suspected of having the coronavirus as 86 people die in a single day. Suffice it to say, this is substantially worse than many of us predicted, and we don't know what's going to happen next. But for those of us in the United States, the best thing you can always do is remain calm. Recently, the U.S. government gave a made a statement saying the threat to Americans is still relatively low. But this one's starting to look creepy and scary and conspiracies are running wild. The worst thing 
China could be doing if this is just a, a, a regular coronavirus and there's nothing to worry about. The worst thing they could do is start barricading people in their homes. Oops, they're doing that. Fumigating entire cities using giant drones. Oops, they're doing that too. Mass arresting people and putting them in camps. Yeah, I'm beginning to think we got a serious problem here. I don't know what to do. I don't know what your answers are. The only thing I can say, the only advice I can give, have you gone out and bought some, you know, five gallon water jugs yet or something? Listen, I say it every time, but before we get into it, it has to be said again because we're dealing with real issues of your safety and your family's safety. Don't, don't let anyone shame you into not buying some emergency supplies. You probably hear me say it a lot if you watch all of my videos on these subjects, but I'm saying it again for anyone who missed it because this is serious, okay? So forgive me if you're tired of hearing it, but seriously, get a first aid kit, get some canned food that can last you a while and some water because hurricanes happen, because storms happen, because the power goes out, because floods happen. But this is freaky to a degree I've not seen. I mean, can any of you recall anything this bad? The Daily Mail reports 86 people die of coronavirus in a day in China as Beijing begins mass arrest of sufferers. And videos show hazmat suit clad goons dragging people from their homes as death toll hits 724. China's lying. What are they not telling us about this? They didn't react this way to SARS. And many people at first were saying, you know, one of the arguments I heard was it's better to overreact than underreact. Okay. The argument then was that because they didn't overreact to SARS, SARS was worse than it should have been. Are they overreacting now and it's about to surpass SARS's death total? It's infecting more people traveling as fast as the flu with a substantially higher mortality rate. If this is overreacting, I, cer- I, well, I certainly hope it is because they're literally mass arresting people and barricading them in their homes and rounding them up for camps and building emergency hospitals. It's starting to get scary. The Daily Mail reports disturbing video showing people suspected of having coronavirus being forcefully dragged from their homes has emerged as the communist regime starts rounding up sufferers in Wuhan and taking them to camps. <laughs> At what point are we like, well, the end is here. Okay, I'm being somewhat facetious, but seriously, I think setting up camps for people who have a disease is getting movie, you know, like this is how zombie movies begin, man. Officials in protective suits are seen holding onto two people by their arms before a third more resistive man is picked up from the floor and carried away in one shocking clip shared online. The footage filmed in Wuhan comes after China's vice premier Sun Chenlan called on a people's war against the fast spreading epidemic. As of Saturday, more than 700 people have been killed by the virus, with 86 people dying on Friday alone. And more than 34,500 globally have been infected. Long incubation period, airborne virus. We got a serious problem. In the video, one person wearing a face mask is seen being quickly pulled along by officials and is soon followed by a woman in a winter jacket who is held underneath by the arms by someone in a protective suit. However, the officials have more, tru- have more trouble in removing a third person who was laying in a doorway refusing to be picked up. Two, two people try to lift him, but after having no luck, they're joined by a man in a blue apron and then two other officials. Despite the manpower, the group still struggle to lift the man who kicks out at them and struggles from the floor. Eventually, three of the men manage to pick him up and carry the suspected patient down the stairs. I'm sorry, man. I'm not trying to be callous. Literally a scene from a zombie movie. I, I, I'm not suggesting zombies are happening. I'm saying like this, it's, it's so severe that these are things we, we, these are scenes from a movie we make to scare you. That's what I'm saying. I'm talking about severity. 
You watch these movies, you see scenes like this. It's designed to freak you out. Now it's happening in the real world, not the zombie part. I'm talking about the severity of the fighting, the quarantines. In another video said to have been filmed in China, a woman is seen being detained by several police officers and struggling against them. The clip was shared on Twitter, claiming to show the woman being arrested and put in isolation for not wearing a mask against coronavirus. Here's the crazy thing. They don't know who has or ha- doesn't have it for the most part. They can, they can test people who are actually sick or have fevers. Some of these people are asymptomatic, but they're not taking chances. The one family that got quarantined in that video where they're putting metal barricades against their door, those people were just in the city and they were taking this action. I hope it's an overreaction, but as the death toll climbs and is expected to pass SARS and the infection rate is climbing, I think it's very serious. Now, is it the end of the world? No, we can calm down. Look, it's, 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 it's substantially worse than the flu. It's mostly infected people in China. There's several cases outside of China. Take it seriously. But for now, I don't think there's a whole lot to worry about. Although I will add a cruise ship docked in Bayonne, New Jersey. I used to live there a year, year, year or so ago, and they were holding people in quarantine. Naturally, people are starting to freak out. I think one of the big challenges is that we know very little about this virus or its origins. The White House is reaching out, you know, so so let me just show you the story real quick from ABC. White House asks scientists to investigate origins of coronavirus. They don't say too much, but they're concerned about conspiracy theories online. And if you if you if you follow a lot of these more conspiratorial sites, you're going to hear a whole bunch of crazy stuff. These things are not entirely out of the question. There is a bio lab in Wuhan, and there was a concern from the international community that a pathogen could escape. But because we don't have evidence, the best thing we can do for now is just is honestly just prepare, like take care of yourselves and, and wait, do what you can do. The White House is seeking, you know, in, to investigate the origins. Some people are claiming it was man-made. We have some there, there was one uh, uh, research paper that was put out saying that certain proteins on the virus don't, have, have never occurred in nature or, or are extremely unlikely to have occurred in nature. Doesn't mean anything definitive yet. And even the scientists are saying as such, they're saying it just seems odd. Now, a lot of people are speculating, let the investigators do their thing. But I'll I'll warn you on this one. To avoid panic, the government is likely going to compartmentalize information. This doesn't mean conspiracy theories are legitimate. It just means we will likely not know the full scale of what's happening because panic is bad and can actually hurt the the, the search for a vaccine or a cure for whatever, whatever it is and however bad it gets. For the time being, we are look, looking at something that is expected to be worse than SARS. Could it be a media, you know, a media system that's trying to scare you and freak you out? Yes. And keep that in mind. I don't know the appropriate level of panic or freak out. I, I have no idea. So the best thing you can do is never enter panic mode because you don't plan properly when you do. I got to say, though, I really do. Look, I'm just some dude on the Internet talking about his feelings, right? I'm not an expert on half this stuff. But China is trying to, they've arrested whistleblowers, the people who have, who have been calling out the virus. They've arrested these people. And now we have videos of people being dragged from their homes and brought to camps. This seems like it's substantially more serious than they would like to let on. On Friday, it was revealed that China's central government ordered Wuhan to round up all suspected patients, as well as their close contacts in mass quarantine camps. Vice Premier Sun also demanded communist officials of all levels take active lead in this wartime condition or face being nailed onto the pillar of historical shame forever. The city of Wuhan has around 14 million residents, but it remains unknown how many 
how many people will be quarantined or where they would be kept. Wuhan officials are now carrying out door-to-door health checks to identify potential carriers who would need to be isolated. I can only imagine a lot of people are now going to barricade their doors and hide because they might just suspect you. Imagine this, you wake up one day and you're drinking a bottle of water. You ever accidentally inhale a little bit of water and then you hear you coughing and they say, doesn't matter, into the van. Miss Sun demanded four types of people in Wuhan be put in mandatory isolation in quarantine stations. Confirmed cases, suspected cases, people who have close contact with the former two, and those who have fever. Heaven forbid you got food poisoning or you have a cold right now because you're getting locked up. Look at these photos. They said they mentioned the same thing. We can see this photo. Makeshift hospitals. Look at the look at the doctors and what they're wearing. They're taking this extremely seriously. The death toll rose by 86 in one day to 722 on Saturdays, according to authorities, and is poised to pass the 774 deaths recorded globally during the SARS pandemic, another coronavirus that jumped from animals to humans in China. This new number brings a total number of people who have died from coronavirus to 724 worldwide, with one death in Hong Kong and one in the Philippines. Keeping in mind, the overwhelming majority of infections are in China right now. On Saturday, it was also confirmed that the first American who had been living in Wuhan has died from the virus, with a 60-year-old passing away Thursday. Four Britons, a couple and their two children, have also been admitted to San Espas' hospital in the Palma, Mallorca, Mallorca this weekend after t- having tests for the virus. The admissions occurred after the unnamed dad who lives in Mallorca, Mallorca, I don't know, it's probably Mallorca, went to the hospital on Thursday to inform medics he had been in contact with a person who had tested positive for the virus in France. So again, these people have been admitted and they're having tests. We have more photos. Look at this. This is nuts. China is freaking out about this. They are spraying crazy disinfectants. What are they spraying? And I wonder what they think it will do and why it would stop the virus. We have this photo here. Britain, Alan Steele was taken off the Diamond Princess cruise liner and sent to hospital after testing positive for the virus. A team of health workers in hazmat suits on the shore of Yokohama on Friday, where Japanese authorities said the tally of coronavirus patients on board the Diamond Princess cruise ship had risen to 61. Man, could you imagine being on a cruise ship and hearing that one person was sick? Lock your door, don't come out. The crazy thing is a lot of cruise ships are interior cabins with no windows, basically little prison cells. That's got to be a nightmare. France's health minister also confirmed on Saturday five cases of coronavirus, adding that all of the new people affected are British nationals and include a child. Health Minister Agnes Buzin said that five were diagnosed with the coronavirus after coming into contact with a person who had been in Singapore. She said they were not in serious condition. The total number of people infected with the virus in France has now reached 11. Buzin said the group of newly infected people with the virus formed a cluster, a grouping around one original case. That, that original case was brought to our attention last night. It is a British national who had returned from Singapore, where he had stayed between January 20th and 23rd. And he arrived in France on January 24th for four days, Buzin said, adding the latest outbreak had occurred in the mountainous region of Savoie, Savoie, I, I can't pronounce that, I'm sorry, in eastern France. According to Le Figaro, the infected British man stayed in a skiing chalet, which contained two apartments in the Contamines Manjoy, Forgive me for not being able to speak these languages. In Hot Savoie between the 24th and 28th of January. The first apartment housed three people who were diagnosed positive with the coronavirus. Four others were deemed to be suffering from minor symptoms. In the second apartment, a father and a child were infected and their mother, 
who was in Britain, was hospitalized there. As well as the new cases and suspected patients appearing in Europe, dozens of people have also been struck down who were on the Diamond Princess cruise ship. I got to say, man, we had that meme go around. I know I mentioned it, but that meme saying 2020 was going to be a pandemic because it happens every 100 years or whatever. And here we are nearing pandemic proportions. Experts recently said in a report from Fox News, they fully expect this to go pandemic. Look, in the United States, we have 12 cases, but this spreads as fast as the flu. I think every, every day I see the story, the amount of infected is climbing and it's climbing fast. Now, almost all of these people are in China. Keep that in mind. And almost all of the deaths, except for Hong Kong and the Philippines, are in China. But now we're seeing, I mean, this, this is, it's, 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 it's hitting everywhere. I guess if you're a fan of Play Gink, Greenland awaits. Better hurry up before they close the seaport. It's a joke, by the way. Newlywed Alan Steele was on board a cruise liner. We read about him. He was transferred. The newly diagnosed also include 21 Japanese nationals, as well as eight Americans, five Canadians, five Australians, and an Argentine. This is from a cruise ship. Meanwhile, another vessel with 40 people from China that was turned away from Japan has arrived in Taiwan with health officials boarding to test to uh, test the holidaymakers for coronavirus. Check this out. This is this is Wuhan. Uh, for those that are listening, I'll describe it. It's an empty street. There's a there's only a, a handful, four cars, one per, two people on motorcycles. The quarantine has people hiding and well, a lot of people being rounded up. This one person wearing a mask, riding a bike. We can see this. It says a Chinese man is seen wearing a protective mask as he monitors the entrance to a residential neighborhood next to a sign saying strong prevention. Don't panic. Believe in science. Don't spread rumors. Don't spread rumors, they say. And that's why they've been rounding people up. I don't know, man. There's a lot of conspiracy, there, conspiracy theories going around, and I don't want to get into too much detail, but suffice it to say, there's some weird stuff happening. People are very scared. This is going to get substantially worse. I, I don't know much about virology. I'm not an expert. I'm not a scientist, you know, for the most part. I'll tell you this. If this is traveling as fast as the flu, and we do have a flu vaccine, not everyone gets vaccinated for the flu, but the flu still travels far and wide and kills a lot of people. The mortality rate for this virus is substantially higher, around 20 times higher, according to the reports I've seen, you know, from from various outlets. If that's the case, I don't see why it wouldn't travel as fast as the flu and injure, maim or kill substantially more people. Keep it in mind, they say tomorrow more than 150 Britons are being flown back from the coronavirus at city of Wuhan and will be kept in quarantine for 14 days in Milton Keynes. South Central Ambulance Service said that Kent's Hill Park, a conference center and hotel, will be used to house the returning citizens after they land at RAF Breeze Norton, where they will remain in isolation for two weeks. Everyone boarding the plane at the Chinese city, which is the epicenter of the outbreak, will be assessed and will continue to be monitored after landing in the UK on Sunday morning. How do you stop the spread? Even if you quarantine these people, what do you do? Do you like do you then have to disinfect everything like how it seems crazy to me that we could take people who are potentially infected, bring them back to different countries, quarantine them, but still stop wherever they were riding in whatever helicopter, airplane, car, bus, whatever. What do you do? Do you burn them all? Do you burn all the clothes Then spray people down and have them go through a quarantine, like a, a stage four quarantine, like, you know, decontamination? Perhaps. I mean, I can only assume they know better than I do. That's for sure. But it really seems like when you're taking people out of a quarantine zone and bringing them home, the chance for, you know, a, a leak, some kind of break in your security protocol is extremely high. Far be it from me to tell them what to do. They, they say uh, they're going to say a bunch of the same stuff. I get it. 
They say dire coronavirus warnings from Britain's top experts. I'll just read some of these and then we'll wrap this one up. Just uh, leading virologists and infectious disease specialists met at a hastily organized meeting by the respected Science Media Center in London on Friday amid the escalating outbreak. They made a series of dire warnings. A vaccine will not be ready until at least 2021. Even if we eradicate the virus in the next few months, it could reemerge in winter. An outbreak in late 2020 could be devastating for NHS staff juggling winter crisis. So that's in Britain. The death of a seemingly healthy Chinese doctor in his 30s raises fears it may have the ability to kill people with strong immune systems. That's terrifying. Don't be fooled by a decrease in confirmed cases in the last few days. This could be a lack of manpower and errors in cataloging them in China. And it's a two-week incubation with an airborne virus, meaning a lot of people could be coming infected right now and just not know. The virus may be spread to babies from pregnant mothers. Cases are at least 10 times higher than the current 31,000 cases being reported. I'm going to stop you right there. The Daily Mail is reporting cases are at least 10 times higher than the current 31,000. Are they saying 310,000 people might be infected? How can you quarantine this? Now in China, I get it. It's probably why they're mass arresting and rounding people up in camps. But what about everywhere else? If we're seeing, if the cases are expected to be 10 times worse, what about the United States? Are they saying 120 people have it and we don't know who those people are? You know what, man? I can't stand this. The last thing I want to do is plant some stupid media hype or fears. But all I can really say is, as much as I'm very critical of the media for trying to do that clickbait nonsense, we are literally looking at videos of people being dragged from their homes and they're reporting that they're bringing these people to camps. We have seen videos of people putting metal bars in front of homes. I think the media definitely wants to fear monger, but I think it's fair to say that from the videos we've seen in China, it is worse than we thought and it's getting worse. So I'll leave it there. Any updates, updates, they will be on this channel. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. YouTube.com slash TimCast. It's a different channel. And I will see you all there. Depending on who you ask, Chris Matthews either gave a passionate speech denouncing socialism or an unhinged rant. For some reason, it's the Trump supporters praising Chris Matthews, while it's people on the left mocking him because he said something to the effect of, if the Reds had won, there would be executions in Central Park. What we're seeing now from MSNBC kind of coming out and finally saying, whoa, we don't want socialists, is the disconnect between what Bernie Sanders represents, what the socialists represent, and what Americans actually think about him. While Bernie Sanders might be on the rise in, in many polls, technically now he's projected, he's the front runner because he's projected to win the nomination. I think it's fair to say most Americans don't even know he's a socialist. The other day, somebody I knew posted on Facebook a two-year-old article that read, Bernie Sanders is not a socialist. He's a social Democrat and then talked all about Denmark, except that was two years ago. And today the articles, the, the, the new article reads, Bernie Sanders is a democratic socialist, not a communist. I see the trend. Where are we in two years? Bernie Sanders is a communist, not a despot. I think most people hear the sweet nothings of Bernie Sanders about free health care, free college, not realizing you can't give someone something else from someone else. There's such a thing as free there's such thing as the government taking and, and, and rearranging and repositioning. I certainly think there are instances where that makes sense, the common defense and many social programs. But there's a difference between having a welfare system of varying scale and socialism where Bernie Sanders is actually called for worker ownership of, corp, of, of, a, of, of a percentage of worker stock. So Bernie is a socialist. And I think most people don't know that. And once they find out, 
Bernie will probably start tanking in the polls. But let's read the story because I got a couple here. The first, Chris Matthews warns of executions in Central Park if socialism wins. Well, he was referring to Castro. So I'm not, I don't think he's saying there will be in the future. There could have been, but let's read. The Post reports, better dead than red, said Chris Matthews. Well, he didn't, but maybe he insinuated. The MSNBC host went into a protracted monologue after the Democratic debate in New Hampshire Friday night, in which he condemned the evils of socialism and warned of public executions in Central Park if it ever came to the US, saying, quote, I have my own views of the word socialist, and I'll be glad to share them with you in private. And they go back to the early 1950s, he told a post-debate analysis panel. I have an attitude about them. I remember the Cold War. I have an attitude toward Castro, he added. I believe if Castro and the Reds had won the Cold War, there would have been executions in Central Park, and I might have been one of the ones getting executed, and certain other people would be there cheering. And that is still true to this day. As much as I'm, you know, I want to point out, he's talking about the past. I've had activists send me private messages saying, don't forget, you're the first against the wall. We know what that means. We know what their intentions are. These people are evil. They think they are ideologically supreme. They are zealots and they are biding their time. In fact, Project Veritas Expose on Bernie Sanders campaign shows many of them saying, we got to hide the crazy stuff from people. Heaven forbid they find out. But once they get power, we know the direction they're going in. Now, those are Bernie's supporters, not necessarily Bernie. And I think it's fair to say, yes, extremists support certain people. We'll see if Bernie implements these things. I really doubt it. Bernie is as close as you can get to democratic socialism. It's like he's just on the other side of it. He's talking about a percentage of corporations, corporate stock being set aside to produce dividends, which would be a, a bonus payout. So he's getting close to worker ownership of companies. I think Bernie's a socialist. I think he is withholding a lot of his more extreme views, especially after a lot of what I've seen. Should, will he be represented by the most extreme of his, ba- of, his, of his base or his campaign staff? No, but why didn't he call him out? Why didn't Bernie condemn any of these people in, in now numerous videos? None of them. They just said, keep it quiet. Keep quiet. Don't let people find out what we're really doing. Okay, I see where you're going. He said, uh, Chris Math- uh, the story goes on, Chris Matthews declined to get into who exactly he thought would have been cheering his execution. I don't know who Bernie supports over these years. I don't know what he means by socialism. One week it's Denmark. We're going to be like Denmark, Matthews continued, mocking Sanders' deep Brooklyn accent. Well, what does he think of Castro? That's a great question. What do you think of Fidelissimo? F- Fidelismo. The moment swiftly went viral on Twitter and was picked up by pro-Trump surrogates like campaign spokesman Tim Murdaugh, quote, Chris Matthews laying it down, he said, approvingly in a tweet. Interestingly, Trump supporters praising MSNBC hosts. You see where this is going. Before becoming the host of MSNBC show Hardball, Matthews spent his career as an insider in in Democratic politics as a speechwriter for former President Jimmy Carter and chief of staff to former House Speaker Tip O'Neill. I think I see where this is going with MSNBC giving some pushback to Bernie Sanders. What happens when Bernie wins and the moderate wing of the Democratic Party, which is around half, splits and either doesn't vote or many of them vote Republican? The Republican Party will become a super majority, a super party comprised of former Democrats, this massive tent. And everyone will say Trump is better than what they are offering. It's kind of scary, actually. We need some kind of competition in politics. 
But Bernie represents real extremism. Now, look, 2016 was very different. Bernie was talking about social democracy. Today, it's, it's very much so moved closer to democratic socialism. I mean, he overtly calls it that. AOC campaigns on his behalf. And we're seeing open borders type policy, a, a, a stark departure from where Bernie Sanders used to be. So yeah, he's really treading closer to open borders, global socialism, or whatever you want to call it. What's worrying to me is this is scaring people into moving over to the right. Now, of course, Trump supporters are happy about it because they're going to win now. But I think you need political competition. You need someone offering up alternative ideas. The Democrats aren't doing that. So you're going to end up with Trump being the best they have to offer, but it sa- offer. But it says something truly profound. The media wants to claim that Trump is the extremist. His followers are the extremists. Well, Trump certainly represented the slight minority. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. But what happens come 2020? I'm sorry, we're in 2020. November 2020. What happens when Trump wins and his majority has grown? And I think it will. What happens when Bernie wins the nomination and the other half of the Democratic Party, some 32.5 million people vote for Trump and Trump wins about just just about 100 million votes and the Democrats get half that. I mean, they won't really, but I'm giving you an extreme example. That means that many people and keep this in mind because we don't know what's going to happen yet. But when it comes time for Bernie Sanders to run and we're already seeing the never Bernie movement and panic among Democrats that Bernie is going to scare people away. We know from Gallup, that Americans most half won't vote for a socialist. What happens when the American people say Donald Trump is not the extreme one Bernie Sanders is, and they flock to Donald Trump? I think that fundamentally disproves the claims coming from the establishment, uh, coming from the media establishment and the anti-Trump base claiming that Trump is the extremist. If you were to ask me, from what I understand in my 33, almost 34 years, Donald Trump is like, you know, an old school Democrat from the 90s. There was such a shift under Barack Obama and over the past 10 years that to many of these people, they're shrieking about Donald Trump. According to the New York Times, we've seen the data. The Republicans inched slightly to the left. Now, they didn't shoot like crazy, you know, far left like Democrats did. But that's why they view Trump as an extremist. And most Americans don't. Most Americans haven't moved. The Democratic Party is chasing itself. And it's, it's an endless spiral trying to go faster and faster you see Bernie Sanders in 2015 saying, no open borders. That's a Koch brothers proposal. Today, we got to let in 50,000 climate refugees, de- decriminalize border crossings. Now we have that bill that Tucker Carlson, Carlson was highlighting, a new way forward act or the new way forward, which would actually, as they say, require us to report people, right? We have deport. No, 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 no. If someone's deported, we have to pay for their trip back to our country, even though they're here illegally. That is a ridiculous departure from Bernie Sanders stance in 2016, 2015. So what happened? The Democrats are chasing each other, desperately trying to outwoke one another. It is the woke Olympics. This is it. 2020, the woke Olympics. The story from the Wall Street Journal, I'm not going to read through it. They say Sanders may be surging, but is socialism. The latest NBC Wall Street Journal poll says no. Why? People don't know Bernie is a socialist. They haven't seen the videos from Veritas. So, so show them. They don't know that his base wants to gulag conservatives. How many people voted for Trump? They just they voted for Obama and they voted for Trump. Now they're being told you have to put be put in a camp. They don't know about it. There was a viral clip. It's kind of heartbreaking, actually, for me, where a woman gives her her, her caucus vote for Pete Buttigieg. And then shortly after, re- someone mentions that he's got a same sex partner. 
And the woman immediately says, no, I refuse. I want my vote back. And apparently she went to Klobuchar. It's kind of sad, you know, for me, I, I, I think that shouldn't have any bearing on whether or not he's going to be a good president or his ideas are good. Not that I like Pete Buttigieg, but you can see that many people who caucused didn't know anything about the candidates. And if they did know more about them, they'd probably say no. So what's going to happen? Bernie Sanders is going to win the nomination because the Republicans don't have to go after Bernie Sanders. They're actually defending him. And it's smart. The DNC is desperate to put up the fire of Bernie Sanders' revolution. And it is a fire and people love it. They, they view it as a fire in a good way. The Democratic establishment is in a bad way. Well, Bernie's fire is going to burn bright up until he wins the nomination. And that's when we're going to see those videos from Veritas. I'd be willing to bet they appear in campaign ads. Bernie Sanders is a socialist. You're going to see him defending it. You're going to see the clips on the debate stage where they're like, how many of you are upset with this? And then they're going to talk about the terrifying history of socialism. And Trump is going to landslide. You've been warned. MSNBC has warned you. We'll see how it plays out in the coming months. Stick around. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. Well, Chris Matthews over at MSNBC is warning about the evils of socialism, and they're actually having a debate where some people defend the idea. The real reason Democrats keep losing. Okay, okay, not the real reason. One of the reasons Democrats keep losing is this, a viral photo that went around that people are obsessed with. Because instead of talking about healthcare, let's go back to James Carville. Did you watch my segment on this? The collapse of the Democratic Party is here. James Carville, longtime Democratic strategist, was saying, you had Trump in Davos saying he wanted to cut Medicare, and not one person in the Democratic Party thought to plaster that image all over the web. No, you see, they're too busy bickering about each other, about scandals, about the economy being bad when it's actually good, because apparently no one on their side has any sense. I guess technically Bill Maher does, but not enough. Even in his debate with Bannon, Bill March couldn't see it. But I bring you now to one of my favorite examples, one of my favorite reasons the Democrats lost. They complain about insanity. They have no principles. Now, okay, not, not all of them, but many of them, the people that they have, they have lined behind them as their, as their core army to support them are people who are just there for the party and nothing else. I, th- I look at like all these male feminists who turn out to be abusers. They never cared about your cause. They were just trying to get them some. And now I look at this from Vox. What is up with that tan line photo of Trump? The conversation around Trump's viral tan line is more than skin deep. Now, I'm sure many of you are saying, oh, come on, Tim. No one really cares. It was the number one trend on Twitter. The number one trend on Twitter. And I sit back because Trump supporters are laughing. They love it. Not only is Trump self-deprecating in his, in, 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 in his entertainment, he knows who he is. He knows what he represents. And he knows who the Democrats are. When I went to the White House, I heard Donald Trump make jokes about himself and everyone loved it. You know why? He understands comedy, and so do the conservatives. Taking the joke away from them diffuses it so they can't use it against you. Donald Trump went on TV and he says, go ahead, pull on my hair. He makes jokes about it all the time. He's confident. He doesn't care if you make fun of him. Now, they'll claim he's oh so very sensitive about his appearance. I mean, probably, but he knows how to diffuse the power of their insults. So right now, while Trump is having his best week ever, impeachment acquittal, He's getting rid of the people who testified against him. He's firing people he he views as insubordinate. He just won the emoluments lawsuit. The Democrats 
are, are bickering about a silly photograph that makes, makes Trump look silly. It, it, it's a bad photo of Trump, as if no one's ever had a bad photo before. That's your focus? Did no one think to plaster the speech Trump gave about Medicare all over the internet, like James Carville said? Apparently not. So you know what? They don't deserve to win. Look, if, if you played the game right, I'd be right. I'd say, hey, this is a great play. It's unfortunate it didn't work. I think they deserve this one. Well, if this is what you care about, then don't be surprised when regular Americans are confused as to what you're upset about. Think about it this way. To the 80 or so percent of Americans who are not on Twitter, who are out working or concerned about where their kids are going to school, you're sitting there bickering about an orange photo of Trump. And that's what you're talking about. So when it comes time to debate, they're going to be like, oh, I, 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 don't, I don't care about that photo. And you're going to be like, what do you, what do you mean you don't care? Every, everybody cares about this. We're all laughing at it. And they're going to be like, how my, kid got to, my kid's got to go to college. And they're going to just say, like, but, but the photo, it's so funny. This is what we talk about. Congratulations. Your opportunity, your chance, your requirement to strike back at Trump during one of his pivotal victory weeks. Instead, you dance around like Tweedledee and Tweedledum laughing at a stupid photograph. They couldn't for the life of them just talk about any kitchen table issue. In fact, they probably say kitchen table issue more than they talk about the issues themselves. The conversation around Trump's viral tan line is more than skin deep. Why? Who cares? Bernie's got crazy hair and people make fun of it sometimes. So what? What are Republicans talking about? They're talking about the impeachment, Trump's victories, the economy, issues. So when a Trump supporter walks up and says, how's the economy going? They go, actually, it's really good. Then they look at the Democrat. And the Democrat goes, did you see Trump's face? It's orange. And they're like, I, I guess. I mean, like, what was that about the good economy again? I'd like to make more money. So here's the photo. And it's like Trump was walking. He's got a weird, you know, spray tan. He's got wind blowing in his face. It pulled his hair back. And you can see that like his face is spray tanned or whatever. Here's the thing. It's probably a saturated photo. Do you know what saturation means? When you take a picture, you can go into like Photoshop and you can increase the color saturation to become more vibrant. Here's the actual photo. Vox shows it. I mean, you can see Trump's tan line because we all know he gets a, he gets a spray tan or something. But then you see this one that clearly looks like they saturated the image to make it seem like he's more orange. It's the weirdest thing. And it's really frustrating for me when you see a clip from CNN or ABC and they seriously do boost the reds. So Trump looks bright orange. It's the weirdest thing. And it doesn't work. Trump supporters don't care. They love it. It's funny to them. Now, of course, they'll, they'll call out the fake news for being fake news. But this image of Trump was actually a meme on the Donald. They do it all the time. They think it's hilarious. They take left-wing memes and they vote them up so they can all see them and laugh about it. You know why? First of all, I gotta admit, it is funny. The memes are hilarious. But I think it also represents something profound that they know that the Democrats don't, that the left doesn't get. They know that's all you care about. And the more they present this silliness, the less you focus on actually winning. They're knocking you off base. Vox actually wrote an entire article about this. I love it. They even talk about how photographer William Moon may lose his job because Trump would be so offended by the photo. Meanwhile, Trump's own supporters used the image in a meme that made it to like the top of their subreddit. They're laughing. They love it. You know, what's funny is they try to they, 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 look, let me scroll down. 
I think it says here, Trump is sensitive about his appearance and seems well aware of the narrative power of images. Right. But Trump also understands the narrative power of not looking like a whiny baby over a silly photograph. So Trump supporters know this and they don't let it get to them. And that's a big difference between why Trump won and the Democrats don't. It's a big difference of, uh, about what attracts people to you know, Donald Trump or to the right as opposed to the left. The left is complaining about everything. I don't mean literally everybody on the left. I mean, you look at the body posit- positivity stuff, the intersectionality stuff. It's like everything is wrong no matter what they do. We just had Barnes and Noble. Barnes and Noble did diversity book covers and the left still complained. They were like, we're going to make great books with diverse covers. And then they came out and say, how dare you make diverse covers without actual news stories? But then they do, you know, race changes in movies and they're like superficial change. Hey, there's no way to be to be to be right. On the right wing side, you could tell a stupid joke. that's really offensive and nobody cares. In fact, they laugh about it. So wh- where, where do you want to stand with the people who are looking at the photo of Trump and laughing about it? not caring, not being phased, having a good time, cracking a beer, or the people who are obsessed with it as if it matters. They say Trump's distinctive appearance, the poofy flaxen hair, the perennially bronzed face has long been a topic of fixation since well before he entered politics. For his attractors, the president's appearance has been a source of mockery. Beginning in the 80s, when he was a real estate mogul in New York, the underground publication Spy began referring to him as short-fingered vulgarian. The image-based critiques have only increased since he took the world stage as president. In part, this is because the conversation around the president's looks, particularly his trademark hue, is more than skin deep. It has given his opponents an easy way to ridicule him, comparing his skin to Cheetos or hoisting large orange balloons in his likeness. That does not touch upon the substance of his presidency or policies and is in a way reminiscent of the president's own nicknames for his enemies like Mini Mike. But the problem is, does it work? No. I mean, maybe a little bit. But Mini Mike does work. Trump brands people to represent represent ideas about them. Low energy. That was a dig at whether or not he was capable of the job. Little Marco striking at his strength. Does he have the power? Lion Ted, dishonest. He's not calling him, you know, his political opponent's words just to mock specifically like their skin color or tan. When they make fun of Trump for being orange, they're saying literally nothing about who he is or what he does other than he looks silly. So it has some power, but they still don't get what Trump does. And Trump does get it. But more importantly, if Trump doesn't care, it doesn't matter, does it? If his supporters don't care, it doesn't matter, does it? But we can see how they they, they basically say, going back to the 80s, that's what they're concerned about. Calling, ridiculing him over the color of his skin, saying he's the Cheeto dictator and other stupid nonsense. Well, I tell you what, let me read a little bit more. Trump himself has indicated that he feels self-conscious about comments regarding his appearance. As Vox's Aaron Rupar reported, he has repeatedly blamed energy efficient light bulbs for his orange sheen. The new light bulbs cost five times as much and make you look orange. And I was more interested in the orange than I was in the cost. And everybody laughed when he said it. Trump, they don't understand, is self-deprecating. You know that you're probably familiar with comedians who do this, like Rodney Dangerfield. When people insult him, they take it and it's funny. He's like, man, I was more bothered that I looked orange and everyone laughs because Trump knows he's orange. This reminds me of something and I'll wrap this up. So when people complain about me and they try and insult me, do you think they actually ever say anything about what I do or what I believe or what I say? No. 
They just tweet PIM tool. I, I kid you not. I don't under like go for it, I guess. Do they think it's supposed to get to me or I don't know what they're doing? I got to be honest. I think it's kind of like a tribal play, but it shows that all they're doing is just parroting each other like bleeding sheep with no real response to anything. Honestly, I don't care what you call me. You can literally call me anything you want. I have people insult me in my live show super chat all the time. They make fun of my crooked teeth, my baldness. I don't care. (laughs) There's something different about whatever the freedom loving side is where we recognize you can't win them all. You got to have thick skin. And I don't care what you call me. I had somebody super chat me like five bucks and insult my face and my head and everything. And I'm like, thanks for the money, dude. So listen, if you want to engage with me and follow me and complain the whole time, all that does is empower me. You're saying my name. I'm living rent free in your head. It's the same for Donald Trump. You are so obsessed with his face. You are so obsessed with how he makes you feel instead of his policies. You keep losing. They don't get it. They don't understand. But I don't know if they will. So I'll I'll wrap it up. Stick around. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes and I will see you all shortly. I just finished a segment talking about how Democrats are more obsessed with Trump's orange face than what he's actually doing as president and how that's their focus. And now I have another glorious story for you. Another reason why Democrats can't stop losing is that they are so thin skinned, they get triggered by Donald Trump's speech at the State of the Union. I'm not exaggerating, but I wish I was from the Daily Mail. Rashida Tlaib says she clutched fellow squad member Ilhan Omar's hand through, quote, triggering moments in Trump's State of the Union, including the applause for cancer stricken Rush Limbaugh when he got the Medal of Freedom. I almost I almost fell out of my seat when I read this and I started laughing. It, it, it brought a weakness, the humor and rage and confusion all at the same time. Are you joking? You are so frail You couldn't watch the State of the Union? You know what, man? Maybe I'm biased. Maybe the reason I'm able to listen to words without panicking is that I've actually been in conflict situations, or maybe that I grew up on the south side of Chicago where you actually have to deal with, you know, crime and gangs and stuff. Maybe they've never experienced that. Oh, wait. Ilhan Omar likes to talk all the time about how she's a refugee who came from a war-torn country. So, okay, fine. It was Rashida Tlaib who was clutching her hand due to triggering moments. But I'm very confused as to how you can go through these things and be triggered simply by Trump's words. Something is wrong. Trump derangement syndrome is real. And this is terrifying. We cannot have people in government who panic over words. I mean, depends on the words. Let's be honest. If the words from Trump were like, I'm declaring nuclear war. okay, I might panic by those words. That might be a little concerning but I probably wouldn't get anxiety and clutch my pearls or someone's hand shaking, terrified. I'd be like, okay, it's time to act. That's what we need in political leaders. People who don't immediately freak out when someone says a word. Listen, someone walked into a room with a weapon, started shrieking and doing crazy stuff. I wouldn't blame you if you panicked. If there was a fire in a building, I wouldn't blame you if you panicked. But when we want to elect leaders, we need people who don't panic but to keep a cool head to protect us and save us. The last thing we need is sheer panic. This, this is panic. And I got to tell you, man, how many videos have I made in the past week? Like seven Democrats panic. Here we go. Rashida Tlaib panics over triggering moments of Donald Trump's speech. Daily Mail reports. Rashida Tlaib said on Friday 
that she held Khalik Ilhan Omar's hand during trigger. I, I kid you not. It, it's literally a quote triggering, triggering moments of Trump's State of the Union speech and that she walked out when Rush Limbaugh was awarded the Medal of Freedom. It was a huge struggle for me because I don't think people realize it's worse when you're actually there. What do you mean worse? What? The congresswoman from Michigan said on Friday during a panel discussion with Omar, turning to Omar, Tlaib said there were moments of triggering and I kept holding your hand and we intentionally sat next to each other to support each other. (laughs) This is who you've elected. You deserve the leaders you get. You all do. And that includes Trump and Omar. You want the orange guy with the crazy hair who talks like a jerk? Fine. You want the crazy lady sitting around clutching pearls and clutching hands, terrified of the orange man's words? That's your choice. Now, here's what I said before. The only real thing I can say is when it comes to Pelosi tearing up the speech or this ridiculous moment, at least Trump made the economy better. What what else am I supposed to say? But hey, I'm not saying don't pick who you want. I'm just saying you get the politicians you vote for. And like I mentioned in the past segment, the Trump supporters love the self-deprecating humor of Trump. You're not going to get them down by making fun of Trump for, for a silly photograph. They use the photo in their own memes to support him. <laughs> you can't do it. They know they can diffuse your power by doing this. On the other side, though, you're freaking out because Trump's giving his annual speech. The Democrats are hopeless, man. Tlaib Omar, the Som- uh, so, okay, Tlaib Omar, the Somali-American congresswoman from Minnesota, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Anna Presley are the squad. Yes, we know that. Trump and his supporters in the Republican Party have attacked the squad, accusing them of holding anti-Semitic views. Um, Well, yeah, I wouldn't call it an attack. I would call it a statement of fact. I mean, Cortez, the representative of New York's 14th district, and Presley of Massachusetts 7th, boycotted the State of Union in protest of Trump's policies. But Tlaib, who is of Palestinian Arab origin, and Omar, the Somali-born refugee, decided to attend while wearing ethnically traditional outfits as an act of defiance. Defiance to what? To what? I'm joining my sisters in Congress in wearing white. My white Palestinian thobe to so to. Tlaib tweeted on Wednesday, I'm sorry, on Tuesday before Trump's address to the nation. A thobe is an ankle length garment with sleeves that is worn primarily in Middle Eastern countries. White is also the color of the women's suffrage movement. Female Democrats in Congress wore white, as a way to honor the movement that fought for women's rights to vote. Tlaib added in her tweet, being unapologetically me is my way of protesting this impeached president. You mean acquitted president. The whole thing was a failure. They, you, know, you know, what's funny is that they still don't seem to understand what impeachment means. Like, I think it was Marco Rubio who said, even though what Trump did is impeachable, it's not removable. And they were like, so he admits Trump did it, but won't convict, convict him. And I'm just like, oh, geez, dude, listen impeachment and removal are two different things. Trump already was impeached. What he's saying is you've indicted the man, but you but you don't have enough to convict the man. You see the difference? These people have no strategy, strategic power. Omar also tweeted on Tuesday in response to Tlaib writing, yes, sis, our presence is resistance. I am wearing my Ayios Cambur Garbid and bringing the Arwelo spirit to the people's house. Ayio is a Somali word for grandmother. Tlaib and Omar appeared in a panel featuring the other two members of the squad at Howard University in Washington, D.C. on Friday. Tlaib said that she remained seated during the speech, but decided to leave when the president announced that Limbaugh, the conservative radio host, would receive the Medal of Freedom. Let me tell you something. I've never been a big fan of Rush Limbaugh. Absolutely not. But 
He represents something to a lot of people in this country. And not everyone who who wins the Medal of Freedom is going to be someone you personally like. But to six, at least 63 million, maybe less because conservatives make up around 30, independents around 30, and Democrats around like 23 or whatever percent of the country, to, Repu- to, to conservatives and Republicans, to the 30, 40 you know, million or so people, Rush Limbaugh is an icon who launched conservative talk radio, and he's been a staple of their conversation for a long time, for better or for worse. Now, while I may not be a fan of the guy, you've got to be nuts to want to disrespect somebody who's, who's got lung cancer and they're dying. You don't like what they've done. You know what, man? I feel like I'm in this awkward civility bubble because I certainly see it on the fringes of every political faction that they want civility in one direction, but not the other. They want it for their people and they get it, but not the other. I'll tell you what, if you deserve it, you deserve it. Okay. If somebody is sick and dying, I'm not going to laugh and mock and wish for harm for anybody. You know why? Because I think life is valuable. Rush Limbaugh contributed amazing, I don't mean in a positive sense, I mean like of great magnitude to our culture and country. And you might not like it. And that's too bad. Because guess what? Your icons contribute very much in the same way that conservatives don't like. That's what I can never get past, this unwillingness to recognize that other people view the world differently. Here's what I can see. There's someone that I've never been a fan of, admittedly haven't listened to a lot of, but just never been in my sphere. And it was sad to hear that Rush had advanced lung cancer. Do you want to know what my, like, the main experience I've had with Rush Limbaugh is? Family guy. Because he appeared on the show, I think, a couple times, and it was funny, and he made fun of himself. And I respect that. We don't always agree with each other, and we're not always correct. But I can respect the civility, especially considering Seth MacFarlane is like a diehard Democrat. So now I hear that somebody that means a lot to a lot of people who may be bad in a lot of ways for certain political ideas— He's got advanced lung cancer. It may be that he's not long for this world. And he was given the Medal of Freedom, which my understanding is for civilians. And what ends up happening? They all complain. They're triggered. They refuse. They leave. Grow up, man. Grow up. Rush Limbaugh is famous and successful for a reason. People like the guy. You don't win points by throwing a hissy fit, cheering for his ailments, and walking out, oh, oh, harumph, I say. You win by challenging the ideas to their faces. Now, look, again, I I can't say too much about, you know, Rush because I don't know a whole lot about him. But I'm going to, you know, the last thing I want to do, I I think there's very few evil people relative to uh, the the bulk of humanity. Most people in this country are good people. Some are misguided people. And a few are actually evil, evil in, in many different ways. I don't think Rush is evil. I think he's just a guy who's very opinionated and who works really hard and maybe made a lot of mistakes in certain things he believed, certainly smoking cigars a lot. I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean, I mean, some things we should recognize. And now he's got lung cancer and I'm sad to hear it. And I hope he recovers. I really do. But it's shocking to me that these people have absolutely no respect for the people of this country. And that's what's scary to me, that many of these people would cheer in celebration of his ailment, that many people would would refuse to respect or honor somebody of that, you know, uh, uh, influence. The most important thing I can tell you is, even if you don't like the guy and you think he's pure evil, if you want to win over his his base, you don't do it by slinging mud, insulting them, or screeching that you're triggered. You do it by asking questions, Socratic method, by engaging with people and respecting them. Just because they don't know what you know doesn't mean they're stupid. It means you've been exposed to different information. And it's very likely they know things you don't too. Don't be arrogant. You need to actually listen to people. And it may turn out you're the smartest person in the room. That's fine. But I'll tell you this. 
It doesn't matter if you're the smartest person in the room if you're a bad person, because nobody's going to listen to you, even if you have the right answers, if you're mean. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment will be up tomorrow at 10 a.m. Podcast every day at 6.30 p.m. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all next.